Are you ready to scale new heights? Are you passionate about moving up into unprecedented realms? Then get ready to enter into a season of fulfillment of God's purpose for your life. Join Pastor Shegun Obade on this course as he equips and empowers you to become a complete man. Your life is about to experience a major shift. We want to take off on the same series we started on um, redemption. And we know that redemption is a divine buyback from sin and all its consequences. Satan entered into this world through sin. And the power with which he entered was death. But sin could not minister death until sin came in. Um, That was by the allowance and permittance of man, Adam, the first man. Thereafter, the Bible makes us understand that man fell, and because of the fall of man, man lost his place. What was his place? And let them have dominion. Dominion. The word dominion there means kingdom, authority, rulership. So man lost his place of being in charge of all the earth and ruling over all. And having lost his place, of course, he was displaced by the wicked one who took his place. The devil took his place and then began to run the whole earth. The Bible calls him in Second Corinthians chapter number 4 and verse 4 as the God, the word God there means ruler, as the God or ruler of this world. But that was not God's intention. God did not create this world for his enemy to rule over. He created it for his children, for his kids, so that there will be an extension of his kingdom and his rulership from the realm of glory to the realm of the physical. And then his name is glorified ultimately. So redemption, therefore, is a divine buyback from sin and all its consequences. Because sin came in, death came in. Because sin came in, lack came in, poverty came in, fear came in, oppression came in. And all the ugly things that the devil has to offer came into the human race because of sin. So what then is the remedy? Jesus came to bring a lasting solution to the problem that has been caused. The permittance and allowance was Adam's. In other words, he gave the devil the right of way to come in. And that is the summary of the gospel. The restoration of man back to his place. To function in God's plan and in God's purposes. That's the summary of the gospel. Now, the devil had to be dethroned because he was enthroned when man committed high treason. He had to be dethroned. The effect and consequences of sin, God had to undo them. And God had to place man back into that place where he was displaced. So God had to reinstate man. So understanding redemption starts with understanding that redemption has to involve the dethroning of the devil. It has to involve the reinstatement of man. It has to deal with the issue of sin. Much more than an act, but in nature. Redemption has to Empower man permanently with the authority over the devil and over every negative influence of the wicked one. If redemption 
does not bring man back to where he fell from, then redemption is not adequate. If redemption does not empower man to rule over his enemy that once ruled over him, then redemption is not adequate. If redemption does not deal with the issue of sin, much more than an act, but in nature, then redemption is not adequate. If redemption does not give back to man what he actually lost, then redemption is not adequate. So, for redemption to be adequate, God had to package redemption in such a way that every single thing man lost was given back to him. Righteousness, the ability to stand right before God without any consciousness of sin, condemnation, or inferiority complex. Man had it before the fall. So if redemption is going to be adequate then, redemption must give it back to him. See that? Man was not conscious of wrong before the fall. Redemption brings him back to the consciousness of righteousness. Man was not under the dominion of the devil before the fall. Now, an adequate redemption gives man constant, continuous, and permanent authority over the wicked one. Now let us look at redemption and how the provisions of God in his word, effected by Christ Jesus, brought man back into the place where he was before he fell. Number one, Satan must be defeated if redemption is going to be adequate. Did Jesus do that? Colossians chapter number 2. If we start the reading from verse 15, the word of God declares, And having spoiled, another translation says, disarmed. Now note the tense, beloved. And having spoiled, disarmed, another translation says, neutralized. You know what that means? Make of no effect. Having spoiled, having disarmed, having neutralized principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Now, having disarmed, that means it's a done deal. Now, God is not trying to disarm principalities and powers. God is not trying to neutralize them. God has already done it through Jesus Christ. Now, the knowledge of what God has done in His Son and through His Son must be brought to man, else man would walk in ignorance and then would still live under the subjection of the wicked one. Because you see, if he does not know it, if it does not come within his, the scope of his knowing, there is no way he can act as though it had been done. Now he says, having. Now notice this, that Jesus was never under the influence of the devil at any time. When he was born into this world, he was born a victor. He was born an intrusion into the sense He was born as eternal life made flesh. And then he went about doing good. He, he cast out devils. He mesmerized the wicked one. Not until he became sin and took our place. That was when he had to be seized by the wicked one. The Bible says the hour of darkness came upon him and he was seized. So, it therefore goes that he did not obtain that victory for himself because he didn't need it. Then, for whom did he obtain the victory? He obtained it for us. Because he had to take our place. So that we could take his place. That's the grace of God. He says, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that, you know, though he was rich, yet for your sakes... 
he became. It was a becoming. It wasn't that he was poor. No. It was a becoming. Though he was rich, yet for your sakes, he became poor. That you through, through his poverty, might become rich. That is the law of substitution. I take your place so you can take what? My place. If a, a player is benched and then another player comes in for that person, the person takes the other person's rest to relax, and then the other person is acting in the stead of the other one. That's the law of substitution. The law of substitution does not permit two substitutes, so to speak, to be on the field of play at the same time. If Jesus took our place, then we don't have to take that place again. You see, what I'm sharing with you is what has been settled in the realm of glory. It must settle in your heart. It must come within the scope of your knowing. You must capture it within you and know it as much as you know your name, even much more. That you are no longer enslaved to the wicked one. You are no longer enslaved to the devil. Redemption gave you victory over him. It's a divine buyback from sin and all its consequences. Having spoiled, disarmed, neutralized principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Hebrews chapter number 2 and verse 14. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death, you see that he might what? Destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil. Now, the issue is this. This is God's plan. Through death, he might destroy. Now, Jesus has died on the cross. And God's plan was through death, he might destroy. So when he died, through his death, he actually destroyed. I like the word destroyed here. The word destroyed here is a word used, you know, in the eastern part of, of the world, where one king would go to battle against another king and then capture the king and his kingdom and then enslave them to an extent that they don't have any choice than to obey the new authority over them. That means they've been mesmerized. That's what destroyed. So when Jesus died on the cross, God's plan was through death he might destroy him that had the power of what? Death. The devil had the power to kill. To separate from God. To draw away from God. And then Jesus took our place. Died in our stead. And then seized that power from him. Now for whom did he do this? He did it for us. When the devil oppresses. And then you cry to God. God says, have I not said in my word, having spoiled? I have already given you the answer. But you see, men don't want to dwell on the answer. They like to dwell on the question. But God gives the answer, not just the question. What is the answer? The answer is His Word. What He has already said, what He has already done, what He has already accomplished. That is the answer. In Mark chapter number 16, if we start the reading... From verse 15 downwards. 
the word of the Lord declares, And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world, and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved, and he that believes not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe, In my name they shall cast out devils. You see that? They shall cast out devils, and they shall speak with new tongues. In my name they shall cast out devils. You see, if we do not have authority over him, then we do not have any right to cast him out. That means, Jesus has already defeated him, and now he's given us his name to cast devils out, cast them out. You must know this thing. It must settle within you that the devil is no longer someone to be afraid of. The devil has been defeated. Jesus defeated him for you. Point to your neighbor and say, Jesus, the anointed one, defeated the devil for you. You see that? And what was the power of the devil really? Death, the ability to kill, to minister sin, that gives power to death, to separate from life, the life of God, the quality of life God lives. You see, I'm not afraid of lack, because you see, Jesus delivered me from fear. I'm a wealthy man, I'm going to increase more and more. Why? Because that is part of redemption. Poverty was never God's plan for man. So anybody who is trying to endure one just to please God is a fool. God never had that plan for man in the beginning. It was not so. The Garden of Eden, the word Eden there means pleasure, prosperity. The Garden of Pleasure. And then come over to Luke chapter number 10 and verse 19. Behold, I give unto you power. The word power there is authority. Behold, I give unto you authority to tread on serpents, to tread. You see, if they've not been defeated, and then you do not have power over them, then you can't tread on them. But notice, he says, I give unto you authority, exousia, to tread upon serpents and scorpions, and over some of the power of the enemy, half of the power of the enemy, three quarters of the power of the enemy, so why, why do people categorize demons? Why do they kill them? Demons are demons. Are they devils? Cast them out. That's what the Bible says. Don't ask questions. Oh dear Lord, what kind of a devil is this one? So Kabbalah Bahashka, tell me your name. Forget all those things. The Bible says we should not have fellowship with them. You talk to demons, you don't talk with them. If you need any education, should demons give education to you? Demons shouldn't give any education to you. The word of God has already enlightened us. And that's why I don't listen to people who were once in an occultic group and then they, they, they are now you know, born again and then they say, okay, let's share the mysteries of darkness. Amen? The Bible talks about the mysteries of faith, the mysteries of the kingdom of God. I don't, I'm not interested in the mysteries of darkness. I'm not in the kingdom of darkness, glory to God. I'm in the kingdom of light, the kingdom of His dear Son. Behold, I give unto you who is the you there? He's talking to you. Please stay within the confines of that you. Behold, I give unto you. I give unto you. I give unto you. I give unto you. That's the plan of redemption. I give unto you power, exousia, to tread upon serpents and scorpions and overall, glory to God, overall the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. 
I remember during uh, my undergraduate days, we went to one village, you know, nearby, around that Togate area, to preach the gospel on a missionary trip from campus. Oh man, we had the fun of our life. We enjoyed casting out devils. So there was a brother there. <laughs> I noticed the brother was not really <laughs> forward. He was just, you know, always behind and saying, Amen, Amen, in Jesus' name, Amen. He was in fear. So we got back home, we got back to campus, and then he was leading prayers. He said, Brethren, he said, Yes, shall we pray? I said, Okay, let's pray. We are going to pray that every demon that we have cast out will not go back to our homes to torment us, will not torment us through our academics, will not torment us. I said, Shut up your mouth. Have you not read? Behold, I give unto thee exousia, power. Authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and overall the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means. You see that? Any means. Not academic means. Not marital means. Not family means. Demons can come and say, okay, you cast you. I will deal with you. You see, they are afraid. Excuse me. In whose name? Did you cast them out? In whose name? And that's the Jesus they are afraid of. When Jesus dealt with demons, they were not saying, He will deal with you. No. They were afraid. They cried out. Have you come to torment? Some of them were begging Him. You must live your life in the light of God's word to, the, to a degree, to a level that demons will beg you. They were begging Him, please don't cast us out into dry places. Just cast us out into the swine. You see that? That's what redemption offers. You see, this thing, you must meditate. Some, some of us will have this, this cultural, traditional belief. When you hear demons, you see people shake. Demons? What if you, you heard ants around? Ants. You want to trample on them. That is the way to treat demons. Get this understanding into your spirit. Capture it. Let it come within the scope of your knowing. That Jesus actually defeated him. Do you think the Bible would just be a book of psyching? Just psyching people risking their lives? Capture this thing. It is God's word. God cannot lie. Capture it. Let it come. You see, if you don't know it, it won't work for you. I'm telling you the truth. It has to get into your system running. Because, you see, nobody admires drugs on the table. And then you expect the drug to work in your body. It's not possible. You have to swallow it. And then it gets into your system. When it gets into your blood system, then it starts working. It has to get into your heart. This truth must be digested and assimilated. You must eat it. And that victory Jesus obtained, he did not obtain for himself. He obtained for us. And guess who is the head of the body of Christ right now? Jesus is the head. You see that? Now, he is the crown over us. He is the Lord over us. The devil is no longer our Lord. Listen very carefully. The devil has no right to control anybody again under heaven. Because the right he had was taken away from him. Jesus took that right from him. Much more than 2,000 years ago. But people don't know it. You tell him, you can't touch what belongs to me in the name of Jesus. Get your hands off here. And you can live in this consciousness so deeply that 
When you come into a place, demons know that they have to get out of that place. Because you see, light and darkness cannot cohabit. They cannot. You are a victor. That's who you are. Jesus made you a victor over the devil. That's one part of redemption. There was a day I had to deal with one demon. The demon saw me and was shaking. I did not shout. I said in a whisper, out. And that was it. Why? Because you see, I came in the name of Jesus. You know what it means to come in the name of the Lord? You are coming as his representative. You are coming in a consciousness that you are one with him. You have become one with him. The same way Jesus was one with his father. He said, I and my father are one. If you know these things, happy are you if you do them. Why should you call me to come and cast out the devil for you? Do I have more right over the devil than you? Are there demons around you? Deal with them. That's dominion. Say with your mouth, I have authority over demon spirits in the name of Jesus. I am not afraid of demons. I am not afraid of devils. I have dominion over the devil. Jesus gave me authority over the wicked one and all his courts. In the name of Jesus, I rule over principalities and powers, dominions and might and every name that is named, not only in this world, but in the world to come. If you believe that, say bigger amen. amen. That's what you should be feeding on. Meditate upon these things. See, there are things that are worthy to be meditated on. Some things are not good enough for you to think about. They are not good enough to think on. Colossians chapter number 1 and verse 13. God hath, in other words, already done it. Someone is asking this question. If he has, then why do many Christians live as do under the wicked one and the effects of this life subject to him are visible all over their lives? Jesus said, you shall know the truth. The truth apart from you, does not help you. It is the truth that you know internalized in you that is going to make a difference in your life. Now, listen very carefully. Is Jesus going to come back the second time to die for the sins of the world? No! He's already done that. But does that mean everybody is saved? Now, the people that are not saved, God does not want to save them. Say, God does not want to save them. Why did He send His Son in the first place? Come, let us reason together. Let's reason in the world. God does not want to save some people. Why did he send Jesus to die for the world? For the whole world. Yet, some people are still dying and going to hell. Despite the fact that Jesus Christ had paid the full price for the sins of the whole world, and he did it once and for all. Yet, you still see people die and go to hell. The greatest surprise that will be in hell is that, what am I doing here? I don't look like the demons here. Because God didn't make hell for man. He made hell for the devil and his courts. Demon spirits. So, you're asking, why is it that a lot of Christians says, who have delivered us from the power of darkness? A lot of Christians are still living as though under the power of darkness. I don't think God has delivered us. Listen very carefully. Don't judge the integrity of God's word based on your own experience. The experience is not perfect, beloved. Believe the word. 
with long life will it satisfy us and show us salvation? Why do some Christians die before their time? Well, that's none of your business. Your business is to focus on what God has said in His Word. My joy, my striving is to align my life to God's Word so that my experiences are not produced by the mishaps and consequences of natural disorder. My experiences are produced by faith in God's Word. So that when you look at my experiences, they resemble the Word. So, if you don't believe God's Word, the truth, and then use it, Jesus told the Jews that believed in Him, If you continue in my Word, then are you my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. There is a place of applying the Word of God. Giving your heart to God's word, internalizing the truth of God's word, and then it becomes your reality. You'll be so surprised that after Sunday message, some people don't have any other time to consider what has been said. They just live their life just anyhow. And then they wonder why God's word is not working for them. Is it not the truth you know that is working on the inside of you that will work for you? Meditate on these things. Give yourself wholly to them that thy profited may appear unto all. You want people to see that Jesus said the truth when he said, I have delivered you from the power of darkness? Then believe his word. Put that word in your mouth. Put it in your heart. This book of the Lord shall not depart out of thy mouth. Stop saying, I'm afraid of devil. Generation, not demons in my generation. They want to kill me. Oh. Stop talking that way. You're talking as though Jesus didn't come at all. He was not made flesh. Why not talk the word? And begin to sow. The kingdom of God is likened unto a man who sowed a seed. You see, that's how the kingdom works. You take the seed of God's word, you put it in your mouth, and then you sow it into your heart. That is the fruitful field of a mighty harvest, your heart. If the word of God doesn't get into your heart, it's not going to affect you. How then do you get the word of God into your heart? How? Meditation. I put it to you. If you allow Nollywood and Hollywood to do all the thinking for you, at the end of the day, all the trash in that world will be deposited in your heart. And out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. You begin to confess negative things. So as a man thinks in his heart, he's creating his own world. And all the disasters in Nollywood and Hollywood, they're in his life. Why? Because that is what is feeding your heart. Have you not read, guard your heart with all diligence? For out of it are the issues of life. You don't want to see something in your life. Don't let it come into your heart. If it gets into the core of your being, and you begin to reason it and think it again and again and again, you can't help it. They could lay hands on you so well and many times that you're almost growing bored. You will experience it. It's an eternal law. It cannot be broken. What do you want to see in the next five years? Gather the seeds and begin to sow them into your heart. Forget witches. They cannot stop the law sowing and reaping. Isaac sowed in that land where there were witches. Gera. Wicked people. Despite all their wickedness, the Bible says he reaped a hundredfold. That's in year, and the Lord blessed him. If you put the word in your spirit, Alright? It does not matter how many witches are in your family or around you. It doesn't make any difference, beloved. 
If you put the word in your spirit and put the word in your spirit and then you begin to put the word of dominion into your spirit, you're sowing it in there. You know what's going to happen to you? The harvest will come upon you. But if you feed on fear and inferiority complex, you feed on failure mentality, the failure syndrome will be all over you. A lot of people are afraid of failure. <sighs> hey, hope I will not fail. That's what you've been thinking on. And, and then the painful thing is, you're looking for one man of God that will just change your harvest all of a sudden. Of all the seeds you've sown for the past 25 years. And then if the man of God does not do that, he's not anointed. Let's go to the other church there. We'll see another man of God that will wait like this. And be not deceived, God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, the same shall he what? If he sows to his flesh, he's going to be reap of the flesh what? Corruption. But if he sows to his spirit, he's going to reap what? Life and peace. Do this after every meeting. Take the word that has been preached. Sit down for the first 30 minutes. What did I listen to today? Okay, this. Meditate on it. Let it sink. The very moment the word of God sinks deep into your heart, you will see there will be a change. A reaction has just started on the inside of you. A process has just been initiated. And the very moment the process commences, you will realize that from inside out, you begin to change. But you see a lot of people, I will not do this again, I will not do that again, I will not do that again, and all that. It's like they are building a fence around themselves. And this person is wild. So he breaks his own fence. And then comes out. And then he builds another one and breaks it. And then he builds another one and breaks it. Why not take God's word and change from inside out? Put the word in you. You see, the most effective kind of medication is not the one you rub on your body. It's the one that gets into your system. Get the word into you. Can you be so powerful in your dream life that you speak in the dream as though speaking physically? What produces that effect? It's the word in your spirit. When that word gets into your spirit, it will speak back. So in your dream, it's as if... No, that's not the name of Jesus. So when that word gets into your spirit, it says, Thy word have I hid in my heart, that I might not sin against thee. Wherewith thou shall a young man cleanse his way? It's not by taking heed to thy word. So when the word of God, the medicine of God, and there's something about this medicine. I've seen drugs. Drugs are very specific and directional. Do with a lot of side effects. But you see, a drug that affects the eye goes there, straight, and then it starts working. But there's something about the word. When the word gets into your spirit, it does not only heal your eyes. The Bible says, they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. I like the way another tradition puts it. It says, they are life to those who find them and medicine to all their flesh. From the crown of your head to the sole of your feet. He says the word is medicine. Sow the word in. Find time at least 30 minutes every day to meditate on the word no matter how busy you are. This is God's way of winning in life. Joshua looked at the shoes of Moses. They were so big. And then he looked at his legs. They were so tiny. <laughs> then he felt like, you mean I'm going to enter into this man's shoes? Oh God help me. God said, come, let me teach you how to succeed. 
This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. But thou shalt meditate upon it day and night. Day and night. Do you see that? That thou mayest observe to do all that is written therein. He says, then thou shalt make thy way prosperous. Then thou shalt have good success. My son, give attention to my word. Incline your ears to my saints. Listen to what God is saying to you. Here is word. You have been meditating on all sorts and all kinds. It is time for you to specify. Lift up your hands and give him praise. Thank you, Father. Because the devil has been defeated and we know it. We know he's been defeated and he has no right over us. He has no power over us. This is what we meditate on. We don't meditate on the fact that devil can kill us and destroy us and stop our businesses, stop our lives, stop our academics, stop our future, stop our marriages. No! We do not believe in that trash. We believe that Jesus Christ obtained the victory for us and we are thinking on this victory. So we give the devil no place in our lives. Begin to commit yourself to the word of God afresh. The Lord said to tell you, Empty your heart of every trash in it and begin to refill with the right stuff. A good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, flings out good things. What about an evil man? Out of the evil treasure of his heart, he flings out evil things. Bless God, you are a good man. But it is not just enough to be a good man. You must put good things in your good heart. We must load up our hearts with good stuff. That can help us. I know standing here are leaders of tomorrow. If you're one of them, say a big amen. I know standing here are multi millionaires all over the world, missionaries using their monies to reach out to the gospel. If you're that person, shout a big amen. I know standing here are men who are arrows sent forth from the bow of God into far countries to minister help to them and succor. If you're that person, shout a bigger amen. I know standing here are great destinies that are anchors of many other destinies all over the world. If you're that person, shout a bigger amen. But let this be clear to you. Every skyscraper that you see up there, and then you admire, wow, what a tall building. You must also be humble enough to look down to say, wow, what a great foundation bearing up a very tall building. Because people don't see that side. That aspect, people don't see that aspect. It is the superstructure they focus on. It's time for you to build a solid foundation for your future. And the building of this solid foundation is not by coincidence. It is by a willful, deliberate action. Systematically programmed in the right direction. Lift up your hands to God and tell Him, Lord, help me. I make up my mind today to build a solid foundation for my future. To put your word first. Not the sentiments of men. To put your word first. Not what men say, not what people say, not what is in the cultural setting, but the word, the word, the word. 
I want to build a solid foundation for my life, meditating on your word and acting on your word. Thank you because you've delivered me from the power of darkness. Thank you because you have translated me into the kingdom of your dear son. And now I am blessed to be a blessing. And I thank you because that is what I meditate upon.